It was announced today that quarterbacks coach Joe Sloan and receivers coach and passing game coordinator Cortez Hankton have gotten promotions and will serve as LSU's co-offensive coordinators for next season. And frankly, it's not a move that I agree with. You are locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome into Locked On LSU. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. But also, do not forget that you can also check us out on YouTube as well. Just search Locked On LSU in the search bar. Hit that subscribe button, and you'll get notified as soon as new episodes of Locked On LSU drop. Today's edition of Locked On LSU is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All right. It was news that came out early Tuesday morning that Cortez Hankton and Joe Sloan will be LSU's new co-offensive coordinators. Now, I think this was a move that we all expected. Uh, We've been expecting this for a long time. But frankly, I don't agree with this move. And I don't agree with it for two reasons. Two reasons in particular why I'm incredibly skeptical of this move of making Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton co-offensive coordinators. First and foremost, I don't like two of anything. Like, I, I don't like more is always better, but except when it comes to offensive coordinators. This was a point that I made last week when I brought up kind of the the thought of, look, kind of seeing the right in the wall, the writing on the wall here, Cortez Hankton and Joe Sloan. The point that I brought up was there's a reason why two quarterback systems don't work. It's too many cooks in the kitchen. It's just too many people involved. I don't like two quarterback systems. I don't like co-offensive coordinators. Because when you have two people in charge of something, who's the tiebreaker? When there's a, a, a miscommunication or a disagreement, well, who's right? Who in this position is going to be the person that has final say? I would guess probably Brian Kelly. But whenever you don't have one person that has ownership over a certain unit, over a certain position, over a certain responsibility, well, the the lines of responsibility get blurred. That it can get really easy to start pointing fingers. That it can be really easy to maybe forget something or oversee something. That I think that it could be easy for some players to maybe get two different messages. And I don't mean two different messages in that Cortez Hankton has one belief and one thought of the offense and Joe Sloan has another. That's not what I'm saying because I do think that they, those two, they're going to have to be in lockstep. Like they're developing game plans together. They're going to have to be on the same page. But when it's coming from two different people that both have the same title, things are inherently going to get lost in translation. That when two different people are trying to convey the same message, this, the same message is not going to be portrayed. And you're not going to spit it out exactly the same. That there are, There's going to be 
maybe a little bit of confusion there with two people that are kind of equal in the hierarchy. I always say that there is there needs to be somebody with final say, that there needs to be a, a clear-cut division of roles. That of course you want to collaborate. Of course you want synergy and you know whatever buzzword you want to use. And of course you want all of your people to have seats at the table, but ultimately there needs to be one person making those final decisions. Now, some questions that I do have are, what does game day look like? Is Joe Sloan going to be in the booth calling plays with Cortez Hankton on the sideline with Brian Kelly? Are they both going to be in the booth? Are they splitting play calling duties? Is only one going to be the play caller? Is one a play caller on against Mississippi State on Saturday? And then the other is a play caller against Texas A&M the next Saturday? I don't think that's going to be the case because I think that would be absolutely moronic. But those are the questions that I do have. And maybe I would have varying levels of concern. Like, let's say, for example, you know, Joe Sloan, just for example, Joe Sloan's going to be in the booth. He's going to be the one that is, you know, he is your play caller. Cortez Hankton is on the sideline working a little bit more closely with Brian Kelly. And really what they're doing throughout the week is coming up with a game plan together. Like I can, I can live with that, but those are the questions that I want to know. The other thing is today when it's announced, it's really easy to say that you're going to be making decisions in lockstep. Like collaboration is really easy whenever you don't have conflict. Collaboration and working together and, you know, giving credit where credit is due. All of those things are really easy on day one or when you're winning games or when everything is peachy keen, you're the number one offense in the country and there are no questions whatsoever offensively. I don't expect LSU to win every single game on their schedule this upcoming season. I would like it. I would appreciate it, but I don't accept, I don't expect it. What happens when the offense is struggling in the first half? What happens at halftime? What are those conversations like? Because whenever you have two people with equal amounts of control, that's where ego can step in. That's where fingers can start pointing. Uh, well, I don't agree with the decisions that you made in the first half. We would be better off. We would have scored more points. You know, we would have picked up a first down here if we just would have done X, Y, and Z. So whenever things go wrong, whenever bleep hits the fan, whenever you might get yourself in an uncomfortable position, and let's be honest, it's going to happen. Not everything is perfect. Not even the 2019 season was perfect and amazing with zero questions whatsoever, okay? These, these things happen. That you're going to get into conflict. How do those conflicts get resolved? Ultimately, when you have two people that might believe two different things, and this is, you know, oversimplifying it, but let's say Cortez Hankton says run here, Joe Sloan says pass here. Whose decision is that to make? Is that Brian Kelly's decision? Is he going to be the one officiating this tug of war that inevitably is going to come up within this season? I don't necessarily want my, my head coach having to serve that kind of role. He's got plenty of other things on his plate. It worked in the bowl game. I will absolutely give Brian Kelly that. I will absolutely give Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton that. I mean, put up almost... 500 yards of offense, Nuss threw for 395, three touchdowns, one interception. You ran for almost 100. You put up 35 points. You had that 98-yard touchdown drive to, to put you up and not 
necessarily seal the game. Defense, actually, weirdly enough, did seal that game. But to go up against Wisconsin, it was essentially the game-winning drive. So the offense looked great there. Will Levis, Will Levis, oh my gosh, I've been talking about the Tennessee Titans too much today. Forgive me, I'm on Sports Talk Radio in Nashville. Garrett Nussmeyer's development was palpable. You could see it. If you've seen Garrett Nussmeyer over the years, you could see that that was a different quarterback against Wisconsin than it was in year one or year two. But not every single game is going to be that bowl game. Not, you know, how does it look whenever you're in College Station coming up this season? How does it look when Ole Miss comes to town? You know, really high stakes games where it's not just an interim, you know, co-offensive play callers or co-offensive coordinators, rather. What does that look like when your back's against the wall and you need to score? You need to score to, to, to win the game, to maintain a perfect season, whatever it might be. Again, we saw it in the bowl game, and that is what gives me at least a little bit of relief. You can do it for one game. Can you do it for the entirety of an SEC season? Now, I have one more concern. And we will get into that coming up next after just a few words from our sponsors. All right, I want to tell you about FanDuel. The NFL regular season has wrapped up. We are now in the thick of the playoffs. So there is still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's right. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Plus, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, or you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays. And now that we have the championship game settled, we have the NFC championship game between San Francisco and Detroit. If you're looking to make a Parlay Hub for that game, I would say it sounds to me, it seems to me rather, that it's a pretty safe bet. Christian McCaffrey, anytime touchdown scorer, and roll that into a nice little parlay for the NFC championship game coming up on Sunday. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, rolling along here, Locked on LSU. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And hey, Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked on, plus our national shows covering every single league. So go to Locked on Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Uh, all right, Cortez Hankton and Joe Sloan named co-offensive coordinators. As I mentioned, it's not a move that I agree with. And it's because I don't know how that relationship and that dynamic is going to work. Now, I do hope that we get a little bit more clarity of exactly what each title or each coach is responsible for. Like Cortez Hankton is still going to be your passing game coordinator. I would assume that Joe Sloan is either still going to be your quarterback's coach or is still going to play a large role in the coaching and the development of the quarterbacks. I think that is, is safe to say that Cortez Hankton is still going to play a very large role with the receivers. But when it comes to whose responsibility is what, whose blame is what when things go wrong, 
who's in the booth, who's on the sideline, because if both of them are in the booth, well, that opens up a position on the field on the sideline with Brian Kelly on game day. So who is that coach? So I have a lot of questions and uh, about exactly what the dynamic is going to look like, but I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical of co-OCs. I've experienced it. I mentioned in the last segment, really on accident, I do Sports Talk Radio here in Nashville. Um, Mike Vrabel, if you are connected with the NFL, Mike Vrabel, the Titans' former head coach, was just let go because he and the new, the first-year general manager, Rand Carthon, they couldn't collaborate. That that was what they wanted to do. That was the vision going into Rand Carthon's first season was collaboration. That we don't need to have anyone that has final say, that we're all going to work together, ready, go team, woohoo. And that was really Easy to say whenever they were introducing this idea on press conference day in January when you haven't lost any games yet, when you haven't had any disagreements yet. Well, ultimately, throughout the span of the season, the Titans go 6-11. and 11. There were some questionable draft picks. There were some questionable coaching hirings and firings. That Ultimately, that's what cost Mike Vrabel his job is because he couldn't work together with Rand Carthon. So I've, I've literally seen it right in front of my eyes. And I know that GM and head coach in the NFL, it's a very different story than co-offensive coordinators uh, in, in college football, but it's still the same kind of idea that collaboration, working together, synchronicity, whatever word you want to use, it's not always easy. So I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical of it. Uh, another reason why uh, that's, Another question that I have maybe concern is, is the right word you hear, use here. Another question is, are these two ready? Like, are Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton ready to take on this role as an offensive coordinator in the SEC? Now, look, you don't need to have the longest and most robust and most impressive resume in the world in order to be the play caller at LSU. That's not what I'm saying. We've seen plenty of young play callers have a lot of success at the college level, at the pro level. So I'm not saying that they aren't qualified. I just, I do question. I do wonder, are they ready to do this on a week in and week out basis? As Joe Sloan, he spent two seasons as the offensive coordinator at Louisiana Tech, and he had been at Louisiana Tech for a long time, kind of worked his way up the ranks as, you know, receivers coach and then quarterbacks coach and then ultimately offensive coordinator uh, before coming to LSU. Cortez Hankton spent a long time playing in the league, and he was he bopped around to several different places as receivers coaches. He started at Dartmouth, went to Vanderbilt, went to Georgia as the receivers coach, then was promoted as the passing game coordinator at Georgia. Georgia, won a national championship at Georgia before ultimately coming to LSU to now serve as LSU's wide receivers coach. So they both have experience at the college football level, but being a positional coach is very different than being an offensive coordinator, than being a play caller, than having such a large hand in the weekly game planning. Now, another thing that I don't know necessarily is how much of a hand did Joe Sloan and Cortez Hinkton have in game planning this past year? Or maybe even the year before. Were they in those? I'm sure they were in the meetings, but how involved were they? How much were their opinions and their voices truly accounted into the game plan? That I don't know. Since they are now serving as the offensive coordinator, I would hope that their, their opinions and their voices were heard and mattered. Um, 
And I'm not saying that they didn't matter. And I'm not saying that they're not qualified. But look, you have two guys that this is their first big-time Power 5 offensive coordinator job. Look, uh, Tommy Reese is a young coordinator at Alabama, and he seemed to do a, a pretty good job of it. But look, they struggled in the beginning of the season. It took about, what, four or five games for Jalen Milrow to actually start looking like a quarterback that can start at Alabama, like a quarterback, a quarterback that can start in the SEC. Like, I remember the Texas game, and I remember Jalen Milrow struggling to complete what, a 7-10 to 10 yard pass. That's really the only two things that he had in his arsenal was an absolute bomb downfield and running. That was on Tommy Reese, not figuring out what makes Jalen Milrow work earlier, what his tendencies are. So look, when you're a young coordinator, those are just things that you're going to have to learn. And those aren't things that you can necessarily learn by observing. Those aren't things that you can necessarily learn in a classroom. You have to learn those by doing. And you inherently make mistakes in that process. Now, again, I'm not saying that young coordinators can't be successful because they absolutely can't. And we've seen many of them. It's just some coaches, coordinators, they come in and you have zero questions about their experience or what kind of pedigree that they bring. Bo Davis, for example, LSU brings him as a defensive line coach. Anybody wonder about his experience? Anybody wonder if he was ready for this job? I sure didn't. And I don't think that you should. Mike Denbrock, LSU's offensive coordinator the past two seasons. He's been around the game for a long time, and he's had a lot of success at this level before. I never questioned if he was ready for this. I never questioned his experience. Now, that doesn't make that right. It doesn't make that the right hire, but it just adds another layer of uncertainty with Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton. And another thing that I want to touch on is this has nothing to do with them as people or their abilities uh, as coaches or how good they are or aren't at their jobs because I think that those two are incredibly talented. I think they're incredibly talented coaches. I think they're invaluable to the LSU football program. But now that you're taking that next step, you're going to be under a larger microscope. That's just the name of the game. Now, coming up next, I do want to get into aspects of this that I do like, and we will get into that coming up next. All right, rolling along here, Locked on LSU. Appreciate you for making us your first listen every single day. Cortez Hankton and Joe Sloan named co-offensive coordinators. Now, it's not, I don't disagree with all of it, okay? I, I don't want that to get misconstrued here. A few things that I do like. Um, Three things in particular that I like. First and foremost, looking at the development of Jaden Daniels from 2022 to 2023, looking at the development of this offense from 2022 to 2023, looking at even just the small sample size of development that we have seen from Garrett Nussmeyer, that just a couple of years ago, you know, he rightfully so, had that label as a gunslinger. Then maybe when we saw him in the SEC championship game last season, there was a lot to like about his game, and there was also a lot to not really like. A lot about his game that you could look at and say, yeah, that needs to improve before he's the full-time starter. 
there was a certain level of confidence and comfort that Garrett Nussmeyer played with in that bowl game. And I have to attribute that to Joe Sloan in the work that he's put in behind the scenes with Garrett Nussmeyer. That this passing game, my goodness, look at Jaden Daniels in 2022 against Florida State when he wouldn't even let go of the football. That your ball snapped, it's in his hands, he drops back and he just runs for it. That he would elect for maybe the easy throw five yards downfield instead of taking a few more risks and pushing it 20 to 25 yards downfield and just trusting your receivers to make a, a play on a 50-50 ball. That I attribute that to both Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton. Cortez Hankton is the passing game coordinator. What's one of the biggest improvements from this team from 2022 to 2023? It's the passing game. So the development from year one of the Brian Kelly era to year two of the Brian Kelly era. Yes, Mike Denbrock was the offensive coordinator of those offenses. Yes, Mike Denbrock, of course, is probably going to get a majority of the credit for that. He and Brian Kelly both is the head coach. It's, it's just going to happen. But Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton deserve a whole heck of a lot of credit for what this LSU offense was able to turn into in just two seasons. That's really impressive. So the development of the quarterbacks and the development of the offense is one thing that I do like about this move. The second thing that I like is recruiting. That you landed the number one player in the 2025 recruiting class in Bryce Underwood. When you click on his profile under recruited by, it says Joe Sloan. When you look at DeCorian Moore, the number one receiver in the 2025 class, when it says recruited by, you know who it says? It says Cortez Hankton. When you look at Harlem Berry, the number one running back in the 2025 class, also recruited by Cortez Hankton. So you landed three of the best players in the country in the 2025 recruiting class at three different possessions, positions. And Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton have played pivotal roles in that. That this LSU offense doesn't look like it's going anywhere. That you're losing a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in Jaden Daniels. And you're losing two of the best receivers in college football in Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas. And I don't really expect the LSU offense to go anywhere. Like, do I expect them to be the number one offense in the country? No, I don't expect that. But I still expect LSU's offense to be an absolute weapon. It's because of development and it's because of recruiting. Two things that Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton have played pivotal roles in. So recruiting, uh, especially looking at the 2025 class. That's what I've loved about, that's what I like about this move and keeping Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton in-house. The other thing I like about this is you're going to have continuity offensively. You know, if you would have gone out of house and found, you know, another offensive coordinator from another program, that OC would have brought in his philosophy, would have brought in, you know, it would have changed the offense. Anytime you bring in new OC, I mean, things change. So signals change, the system changes, play calls change. And that's, you can't expect a seamless transition from one offense to another, from one offensive coordinator to a completely new person from the outside. But that's a lot of change along with an offense that already is experiencing a lot of change just inherently with one quarterback on the way out and another quarterback on the way in as a first-time starter. So I like the continuity. 
And I do think that looking at this offense this past year, that Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton, either one of them would have deserved this job. That when you're the number one offense in the country, you are going to do everything in your power to maintain that kind of continuity. You're not just going to scrap it just because the OC left to go to Notre Dame and start over completely. No, 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 no. You are going to start hiring the disciples of the last OC that coordinated the number one offense in the country. We see that all the time. Look at the Nick Saban tree in college football. That you, you know, you have kind of these apprentices, you have these assistants, and ultimately those assistants get better opportunities. I think it's an opportunity that Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton have deserved. And I'm excited to see what this offense looks like under them. I'm just skeptical of whenever you have too many cooks in the kitchen, whenever you have too many hands on one individual job title or job responsibilities, there inherently are going to be disagreements. I think it's incredibly important that Brian Kelly has these conversations early, that Brian Kelly sets the expectation right now, that Brian Kelly also divides up job duties. That he says, look, you're in charge of this. You're in charge of this. And these are the things that you two do together. But ultimately, you have your own avenues that you are in complete control of. And looking at all of the things that I just mentioned that I like, recruiting, continuity on offense, uh, development of the quarterbacks in the offense, that's what I like about this move. But also, I have to ask myself, couldn't those things also have been the case if you just named one of them the offensive coordinator? Whether it's Joe Sloan or Cortez Hangton. Like I said, I think either of them have proven themselves. Have They, they deserve this opportunity. But you would have had continuity on offense had you just promoted one of them. You would have had continuity on offense. Uh, you would have had, you know, that the recruiting presence had you just promoted one of them. So why couldn't you have just named one offensive coordinator? Is it because you don't believe that either one of them, one or the other, was ready to just be the main guy? Well, if you're not ready to be the main guy without a co-OC, are you really ready for this job, period? So this isn't me, you know, poo-pooing on the, the new OCs. I just, I'm skeptical. And I, I think it's fair to be skeptical. And I think that you should be too. Because I like Cortez Hankton and I like Joe Sloan. And I absolutely adore what they have done for this offense, for this roster, for the future of this team. But I have questions. And I think you should too. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. Coming up on tomorrow's edition of Locked on LSU, we'll talk about some, uh, some transfer portal moves that happened over the weekend. Why are things so quiet? at LSU in terms of the transfer portal. Plus, looks like Jim Harbaugh is going to get the job with the Chargers. Is Brian Kelly a candidate to be the next Michigan head coach? We'll get into that later on this week on Locked on LSU.